Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. We're going to go back to John 16. So with Dr. Mize here Sunday, we actually got into this last Wednesday was the last time. My sheep hear my voice, Jesus said. We can clearly follow God's leading for our life. And as we've been sharing with you already multiple things about this series, I'm not going to go back to John 10 where he actually talks about that in John 10, 27. We're going to keep going forward, moving forward. But remember this, the two primary things that we are led by God from is the word and the witness. Say the word and the witness. These are God's sources by how he leads us. But who is it that brings to us that direction? The Holy Spirit does. So I'm just going to remind you about this again in John 16 real quick as we looked at it uh, last Wednesday, and we're going to pick up move on from here. John 16, Jesus said in verse 13, if you're there, say amen. amen. However, when he, referring to the Holy Spirit, the very Spirit of truth has come, say he's come. Notice what he's going to do. He's going to guide. What's he going to do? He's going to guide. Say he's my guide. Man, think about this. Heaven gave you a personal guide. Heaven gave you a personal guide. He's going to do what? Guide us in to all truth, the New King James says. The original Greek says he's going to guide us in truth. Now, I don't, you know, some ways some people might say that doesn't really make a whole lot of difference. It does to me. Rather than just into all, he's going to guide us in what is truth, God's ways. God's plan, God's purpose for us. So he will guide us in truth. Notice this, for he will not again speak what? On his own authority. He won't speak for himself, but whatever he hears, he will do what? He will speak. And he will tell you what? He will tell you things to come. So not only will he guide us on a daily basis, he'll even reveal things to us of what's to come for our future. Say, I have a guide. So everything that relates to me and you in the New Testament, hearing the voice of our shepherd, following his leading is all connected with the Holy Spirit. And this is why we got to understand spiritual matters and most importantly, how God actually leads us. So go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 while I'm talking. I'm going to quote Brother Hagin again, who I listen to every day. Brother Kenneth Hagin said, you know, Christians look for guidance every other way than the way God said it would come. And it's true. We don't even realize how we sometimes just automatically default to actually trying to follow God's leading in a way that God never said he would lead us. We're going to do in parts of this series different things that we're going to touch on, but in one part of this series, I'm going to spend a whole service, maybe two, just talking about in the ways God doesn't lead us. Because so many people think God leads by opportunity. No, he does not. There's no verse that says God leads by opportunity. Well, he said he'll open doors no man can close. Sure, he can open doors for you that nobody can close, but he doesn't lead you by an open door. Satan can control opening and closing doors. And he comes as an angel of light. He makes it look good. So you and I got to realize that we got to be careful that we don't, quote unquote, follow what we think is God's leading, that biblically the Bible does not say that's the way we're led. We got to make sure we do it God's way. 
And it's all going to tie back to what? The Holy Spirit, the very one who's been sent to guide us. So, how is this Holy Spirit going to guide us? Well, let's go into this a little further tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. These are some of the most significant verses that I could give you in relationship to being led by the Holy Spirit other than Romans 8 that we'll get into later. If you want to do some future study preparing for what's ahead, you ought to read all of Romans chapter 8. Because if you really take it in context from the very, very beginning of Romans 8, 1, all the way through, he keeps comparing the natural with the spiritual. He keeps going between these two. And right in the midst of that, he says clearly, the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit. So we know that how he's going to reveal things to us is going to come by way of our spirit man, both through the word and the inward witness. So again, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we see something similar here. Paul, by the Holy Spirit, inspired, writing here in verse 9 says, But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard. What's this referring to? The natural eye of man. The natural ear of man. He's, of course, quoting from the Old Testament, but clearly the point he's trying to make is it's not by the natural eye God leads you. It's not by the natural ear God leads you. I remember, brother, uh, our pastor, I forgot to mention, by the way, don't forget, Dr. Barclay, our pastor's back on September 17th. I remember pastor one time when I were talking about this, and he said, I'm going to tell you a story about a guy in my church that wanted to go in the ministry. And because he wanted to go in the ministry, and I wouldn't agree with him, he said, well, the Bible said God will give me two or three witnesses. By the way, those two or three witnesses Paul talked about in that relationship was himself saying the same thing, not just two times, but three times. It wasn't like you got to find two or three different people to give you a witness. Well, this guy took it as if I can find two or three people to wit you know, give me a witness to what I'm believing for, it must be God, right? And so he said, literally, he is standing in line one day at a grocery store. The gal behind the counter back there, this is a long time ago, smoking cigarettes, checking his stuff out. And she looks at me. She said, you kind of look like you're a preacher. He said, there's one of the witnesses right there. There's a witness. See, he know, she knows I'm supposed to be a preacher. I forget the other two that came along. But then he goes to Dr. Barclay and said, I'm out of here, man. He said, I got my witnesses. I don't need you. And I know God's confirmed what I'm supposed to do. Of course, where do you think he went? Nowhere. Right. Fell flat on his face. So understand, you and I got to know this very clearly. It is not by natural eye or natural ear, natural means, that we're going to know how God's leading us. One of the things that I think is significant that I love about Brother Hagin that he talks about the New Testament prophet. When you talk about the New Testament prophet, it is not in any way, shape, or form to guide you or lead you. Literally, in one of the visitations of the eight that uh, Brother Hagin had, in this visitation, he is sitting with Jesus sitting right next to him. How would you like to have that happen? And he comes in the room and he sits down next to him. He says, I'm going to teach you about the office of the prophet in the New Testament. Because you have a prophetic gift on your life. He said, nowhere under the New Testament do prophets guide you or lead you in any way. They can confirm what you already know, but they're never to give you a word to guide you or lead you. So again, that would come back to us just hearing in our ear what we want to hear from what somebody says. How's he going to lead us and guide us? By the Holy Spirit through the word and the inward witness. Amen. You don't need a prophet. You got the Holy Spirit in your spirit to guide you. So, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into what? The heart of man. Now just keep that in its setting. Keep that in its context because I've taught you this. When the phrase heart comes up, it doesn't always refer to the spirit of man. 
And in this setting, it does not. The phrase heart here is referring to the center of one's actual soul, their intellect, what they're, what they're doing through their reasoning. So this is referring to the inner part of the soul, and you can tie that right back to what he was already talking about. Natural eye, natural ear. So the word is actually cardia here, and in this setting it refers to the actual soul of man. So guess how God is not going to reveal things to you? Through your soul. He is not going to reveal anything through your mind, your will, or your emotions. Now don't misunderstand me. Our soul will pick up on it, but that's not where it comes from. It comes from our spirit. And this is why we got to learn really and understand the directive of where the spirit actually brings these things to us. He brings the word alive to your spirit. Don't think your intellect sitting here tonight hearing the word of God is how you hear from God. Now you have to use the context of your brain and the mind of reasoning to meditate on and get a hold of what God's saying to get it in your heart. But the way he's going to reveal it to you is through the spirit in your spirit. That's why the Bible is foolishness to those who are perishing. Why? They don't have the teacher inside them. So he is not going to quote-unquote lead us just through some head knowledge of the word. He's going to do it by revelation in our heart. That's important because when the word is revelation in your heart, the reason it's so powerful that he leads you that way is because guess what? When the devil tries to mess with your head, your heart won't let, him ha won't let it happen. Your heart will say, uh-uh, I know what God says about me. Come on. I'm the redeemed. I know what God says about me. So again, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things. Say things. This is powerful. Underline this, please. The things which God has prepared for those who love him. Amen. If you love him, guess what you're going to do? You're going to receive him. Right. How many of you love him here? Let me see your hand tonight. Well, guess what God did? He prepared all kinds of things for you. Yes. Not just heaven, things here on earth. He has, we've already read it in other contexts of other verses. He's already prepared a great path for you to walk on. That's Ephesians 2.10. That's a way that's a prepared path for you that leads you into that which is good. So that's a part of those things. Notice again, we, we don't by natural eye, we don't by natural ear, we do not by our soul understand the things God's prepared for us. Verse 10, but how does God reveal them? How does God reveal them? He has revealed them to us through His Spirit. So once again, how am I going to know God's direction for my life? How am I going to know the choices that I'm to make? How am I going to know the person I'm to marry? If I'm to marry, how am I going to know the job I'm to take? How am I going to know the business God wants me to start? Now, I had this asked to me. It's a good question. What if I'm actually doing something in the way of work right now that really isn't ultimately God's will? Well, God can still bless you in it to a degree. But at some point, you're going to need to know that you're where God wants you. You're going to need to know that. I worked jobs that wasn't the ultimate job God had for me. It wasn't what God intended for my life in the ultimate decision of what he had for my future. But he used it to help get me where I'm at. He used it to help take care of my family. He blessed me while I was there. I'd like some better amens. So it doesn't mean that you can't in some ways be doing things that God obviously can still bless you in. But the point is, God has a specific plan laid out for you of things he wants to bring into your life. But the way you're going to find out about him is how? Through his spirit. Say, by his spirit. Back to, that's back to John 16, 13, the guide. The guide's going to be the one. So verse 10, God has revealed them to us through his spirit. What has he revealed? The things which he has prepared. 
the things which he has prepared. How many know James says all good gifts come from the Father above? Guess what God has prepared for you? Good things. Notice this going on in verse 10. For the Spirit searches. The Spirit. This is referring to the context of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. So literally you and I have access to even the deep things of God. Why? Because we have the Holy Spirit living in us. God tells us in his word, I'm not trying to hide anything from you. And again, God's a God who is truly without a doubt an incredible, amazing uh, spirit being. A very intelligent spirit being. How intelligent is God? Far beyond your understanding. To even, to even ask is God intelligent would be a dumb question. To ask if we're intelligent might be a pretty good question. But to ask if God's intelligent, that's a dumb question. You kidding me? He's as intelligent as it gets. So you and I have to understand that clearly it's the Holy Spirit that's going to give to me and you even the deep things of God. Verse 11, for what man, talking about just human, not referring to male here, what man knows the things of a man except what? The spirit of the man which is in him. See, this is why you and I can judge no one to condemnation. This is what, when the Bible refers to us not judging, we're not to judge any individual to condemnation. Well, I happen to know you're going to hell. You don't know that. You don't know if their spirit's born again or not. No one knows the spirit of the man except the man himself. Let me help you husbands and wives for a minute. Let me just do a little short little marriage counseling here. Quit saying you think you know what your spouse believes or intends or has done in relationship to something they've done. Why happen to know this is what you really meant? Let me help you. Now, if they tell you that's not true and you keep saying, why happen to know that's, I happen to know that is true, what you just said is I can know your spirit. But you can't. I thank you for all your amens on that. You can't. You should not be saying, well, I happen to know you did that intentionally. How do you know? Do you know their spirit? You can think you do. You can think that you might know that they did it intentionally. But the truth is, have you ever been accused of doing something intentionally that you didn't do? Well, guess what? We shouldn't be, we shouldn't, like, so nobody else raised your hand there but a handful. Well, we shouldn't be intentionally doing what? Accusing others. Can I get a better amen? I, it's not up to me to find out whether they intentionally did what they did or not. Guess what? God will deal with that. You know what the key is for me? How I respond to whatever they do. It's, it's not a matter. You're really going to concern yourself over whether somebody did something to you intentionally. How's that going to change anything? That's not going to change anything. Matter of fact, it might actually, let me back up, it might actually change some things. might change the way you respond. might cause you not to choose to respond in love. You're supposed to forgive everybody. How many times in a day? 490 times in a day. So guess what your job is? It ain't to figure out whether they did it intentionally or not. Your job's to forgive whether it was or not. But you can't know that because no one knows the spirit of a man. Thank you for all your amends about that. See, when I got this in my heart and realized I got to quit accusing my wife of her doing things saying, well, that was intentional. You meant to harm me. You meant to do that. You meant to say that. Well, again, you're simply saying, I know their spirit, but you don't. I said, you don't. Let me back up. God said, you don't. Say, God said, you don't. Read it again, please. Verse 11. What man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? You can only know in relationship to your own spirit 
You can only know your own spirit as to whether or not what is truly going on in your life is intentional or not, or whether you're doing things based on what the Bible teaches or not. Even so, no one knows what? Now, even so means in like manner. So in like manner, guess what? No one knows the things of God except who? Well, how many of you want to tap into the things of God he's prepared for you? I said, how many of you want to tap into the things of God that he's prepared for you? Guess who you're going to have to find out those things through? The Holy Spirit. He's the only one that knows. He, right here, he just said he's the only one that knows. Read it again. Notice again this very clearly, bottom part of verse 11. Even so, no one knows the things of God except who? Tell me out loud. See, don't think your pastor knows everything you need to know. All I can do is tell you what the Word says. Unless God reveals something. But you got to understand, we're not looking to man to get understanding of things in this life. We're looking to what? The Spirit of God that lives in us. Verse 12, now we have received. Now we have received. Now we have received. Not going to. This is written to believers. Now we have received. What have we received? Not the Spirit of the world. Say, thank you, Jesus. You had the Spirit of the world before you got born again. But that ain't what you got anymore. We've not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from where? The spirit who is from God. Why? Why do we have this Holy Spirit now dwelling in our spirit? Underline it, please. Say it with me. That I might know the things that have been freely given to me by God. Now, if you ain't going to get excited about that, you're allowing your day to mess with you too much. You better learn to lay things aside in your day and realize how excited you should get by learning from the Word of God. Why do I have the Spirit of God in me? That I might know. That I might know what? The things that have been freely given to me by God. All that He desires for me to walk in, all that He desires for me to have. Well, why don't I have them yet? Because He's trying to lead you into them, but you have to learn to follow Him. They're not, like Brother Hagin said, they're not just going to fall on you like ripe apples off a tree. You listening? You got to do what? You and I have to learn to follow. We have to learn to follow the leading of the Lord to be able to get into the things of God. If you want to get into, the example, well, I need some finances, Lord. I need some money. Well, let me, let me help you. He gave you the ability to get wealth. And he does not have money in heaven to pour out on you. He's already provided for you the ability to get wealth. But what, guess what you got to do? You got to learn how to follow his leading you got to learn how to follow his direction for your life to walk out the very things he gave you the ability to do. So notice verse 13. These things, referring to what he just talked about, so this Holy Spirit who is going to make known to us all that we've been freely given, that's why we got to be led by God. 13, those very things he said we also speak, notice this, not in words which man's wisdom teaches. By which, but notice this, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. So again, it's not by human natural wisdom that I'm going to get a hold of the things God has for my life. How am I going to get them? Men teach the Bible, but it's the Holy Spirit that brings it alive in your heart. Men gives people, uh, uh, men and women, to be able to teach the Word of God, but it's the Holy Spirit that's the ultimate teacher that's going to bring that stuff alive in your heart. Head knowledge doesn't cause faith to be be at work in your life. It's when it comes alive in your spirit, man. So again, verse 13, he says, Now we're speaking these things, but not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Underline this, please. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So how am I going to be led of God? How am I going to hear His voice? How am I going to walk in all that He's prepared for me? I'm going to tell you how. By the Holy Spirit to your spirit. Period. 
It's the only way. God does not set this up any other way under the New Testament. There is no other way to walk in the things of God for your life. So many people want to get into what's been freely given to them, but they just simply won't take the time to learn to follow God's leading so they can. Do you think God's not trying to lead you in all these things? Do you think God's not trying to direct your steps into all that he's prepared? You bet he is. I said, you bet he is. And again, he's not having a problem talking. You know, the greatest example I've ever heard, you know, Brother Hagin talked about it. He was on a trip coming back from California one time from preaching. And he's, you know, late at night, he would travel late at night to going through the AM dial trying to hear preachers, trying to pick up some preaching. And he said, the Lord's told him one time, he said, you know what? I'm speaking just like all those voices are out there flying through the air. But just like those voices flying through the air, you got to tune into the right channel. So do you got to tune into my spirit to hear what I have to say. That's the problem. God's not having a hard time talking. Let me tell you how you don't pray. Oh, God, please show me. Oh, God, help me see what I'm to do. God, speak to me. God, reveal to me. Let me back up. It's okay to say, God, show me what to do. But then you got to do what? Start saying, okay, God, I receive direction. I receive insight. What you don't do is you don't say, oh, God, would you speak to me? Would you tell me what you need me to do? He's already trying. He just needs you to hear him. I said, he just needs you to hear him. I love Brother Keith Moore's testimony on this. He said, man, I cried out to God for months. I knew there was something he wanted me to do in my life, and I wasn't sure what it was. And he said, I lived out in the backwoods, man. I could go out amongst the trees where there ain't no humans. And he said, I would sit out there for hours and cry out to God, please speak to me, please talk to me, please speak to me, please talk to me. And when I got through all that and got sore out after months and months of that, I got quiet. And when I got quiet, the Lord revealed what he'd been trying to reveal all along. He said, I ain't had no problem speaking to you. You've been asking me to speak to you. That ain't the problem, boy. He said, the problem is you hearing what I'm saying. And that's the problem with most believers. So verse 13, again, he's going to do what? Compare spiritual things with what? Verse 14, why? Because, notice this, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. Why? They're foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they're what? What are they? Tell me out loud, please. They are spiritually what? Discerned. The things of God are spiritually discerned. So we don't discern them by, again, our soul, our natural mind, will, and emotions. We discern the things of God by our spirit through the Holy Spirit, and then they're made known to our soul. Then they're made known to our mind. we got to make sure that it's coming from the right source. 15, but he who is spiritual does what? He judges all things. Now, the word judge there means to discern, to discern. He who's spiritual simply is he who knows that I have to receive from God through my spirit man. I have to receive, through, receive from God through my spirit man. Uh, the person who knows that is somebody who will develop their spirit man, who will take the time to become spirit-led, spirit-dominated. And that person will have the ability to do what? Discern all things. Why? Because he now has the ability to hear clearly what the Holy Spirit is revealing. Can I get a better amen? Yet he himself is rightly what? Discerned by no one. Because I guarantee you, people, when you start hearing from God clearly and walking in line in the light of the word and the witness what God has for you in the natural, it don't always make sense. Noah build an ark. What? Build an ark. Abram, leave all your family. Leave all your comfort. Leave all your security. Go out in the middle of a desert. These guys heard God clearly. But what he was telling them did not make what? Natural sense. 
So you don't go by natural understanding of what you know God's saying to recognize whether you're following God or not. You got to make sure you got the right witness. Could I get an amen on that? Because you know some people, reality is if you're really wanting something to go one way in your life and relationship to what you're doing, you know what you're going to say? Well, I feel like God's saying that right there is a warning to me. You don't feel like God said, you know. You're going to see when we go through this in the book of Acts, every time the Holy Spirit dealt with the disciples, guess what they said? It seemed best to us. They didn't say it felt. They seemed in their knower. It seemed best to us. So we got to make sure we're not going by feelings. Notice verse 16. Who's known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Say no one. None of us have known the mind of the Lord that we're to tell him what to do. No, it's the opposite. We're trying to learn from him what we need to be doing. Notice this, underline it, but we have what? So what does that mean? We have the ability to know what God knows. I said, we have the ability to know what God knows. That should excite you. Go to Jeremiah. Jeremiah, let's go back to Jeremiah where we touched on one final verse last time, last Wednesday we looked at this. Go to Jeremiah, please, chapter 7. Once you turn back there. So, all of 1 Corinthians 2 and what we're relating there to this study is telling us the way God is going to lead us clearly is by our spirit through his spirit. He's not going to do it by what we see with the natural eye. He's not going to do it by what we hear with the natural ear. I've given you testimonies already of myself in relationship to circumstances and situations I've been through both as a pastor and even as a believer. Decisions I've made. Things I did. I didn't want to miss God. How many of you want to miss God? Let me see your hand if you want to miss God. No. So I didn't want to miss God, but unfortunately, I didn't know what I know now. I hadn't learned what I've learned. I haven't learned to understand and walk out what I'm walking out. Uh, I'll guarantee you, I've learned. If I don't know for sure in my spirit what God wants me to do, guess what? I ain't doing nothing until I find out for sure. I would rather wait. Are you listening? Till I'm sure. Till I know for sure before I make a decision. Can I tell you one of the things that the devil does to try to get you to follow him? He tries to pressure you in a decision. He tries to make you feel like you got to make a decision by tomorrow. There might be some situations where you have to make some decisions fairly quick, but I'm going to tell you right now, you better be careful about making those decisions. And in case where you don't have to obviously make that decision immediately, think about how we moved into a situation where God wanted us, but I almost missed it. When we got booted out of our building in Roanoke, which was a God thing eventually, because God had already told me two years before that from our pastor to straight talk. Dr. Barclay, you know, speaking to us by the Lord, had talked about some things about our ministry in relationship to aspects of what we do as ministers, etc. And he said, it's time you obey God. Well, as we're driving home, I turned to Kathy and said, I already know I'm not obeying God because he told me we're not to be in Roanoke. It's not where he called us. Guess where we're called? The minute I walked in that door, I had an inward witness. The minute I walked, actually it was before we got in the building, I told you the story. There was another guy actually that had started a church here, had picked up and started another church here, I should say, who we later met. Now I know him fairly well, don't know him real well, but they have a church over in Decatur. But he was starting a second church here. We were over at Ranchman's, by the way, having a chicken fried steak. They're back. 
And so we were, we were watching, saw the lights on over here. Kathy said, let's go see what's going on over in that church over there. And so we came over. We were in the Marriott at the time. And we came over, and the whole time we're walking through the building, we met the guy, you know, and he's telling us, yeah, we've rented it for a year with an option to buy. We're walking through the building, and I'm trying to deal with myself to say, I should be excited for this guy that he's got a building for his church to be here. I should be excited, but I'm not. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit the whole time is saying, it should have been you. Should have been you. Should have been you. See, she knew. She knew a year ago before I took the time to hear from God whether we needed to be here or not. And all the time I'm walking around looking at those stuff and say, that's cool, brother, that's great. And all the time, man, the Holy Spirit's saying, should have been you in here. Should have been you. And say, thank God for his grace. And lo and behold, guess what? The building didn't work out for them. And they left. And the moment they left. Now, this is key. When you're led by God, it don't mean everything falls into place, folks. Because after that time frame when he left, the building came back up for sale. You know, I called the owner. And I said, hey, we would like to rent the building. And he said, well, I just really want to sell it. I had no peace at that moment about buying the building. I had a peace about renting it for a period of time. I said, well, because I knew long term it wasn't going to work for us. But I said, well, I don't want to buy it yet. I didn't have a peace about that. I had no direction from God about that. He said, well, sorry, I want to sell it. Forget it. So, I hung, so he hung up the phone. When I hung up the phone, the Lord said, don't worry about it. Just hang on. Just wait a little while. So we waited a couple months. He said, call him back. So I called him back, said, hey, man, it's me again. Yeah, you sure you don't want to talk about a lease? Let's get together. (laughs) See, you can't say, well, it must not have been God because it didn't work out the first time. Yeah, it worked out. I said, it worked out. But it always means goes the way you want. But I had that witness. I said, I had that witness. The happiest day in my life as a pastor at that point, going into almost uh, 20-something years of ministry, was the day we walked in this door after we signed the lease. And I was given the key. And when I walked in that door, I'm telling you, this by the Spirit of God in my heart, I had the greatest feeling, the greatest awesome peace that I knew. You're home. Yeah. Not in this building. Right. In Ponder. You're home. You're where you belong. And I mean, we weren't here but a handful of minutes. I don't know, maybe not even quite an hour. And one of our sergeants in our police department come walking in the door and welcomed us. We've been welcomed with open arms since the day we've been in this community. Yeah. I mean, come on. We take over all of downtown, do the Ponder Polar Express. I mean, they give, me, they give me liberty to do all kinds of stuff in this community. We tried Roanoke. They wouldn't let us do none of that stuff. So I'm telling you, folks, it's important to know that you're being led by God. Amen. Jeremiah 7. So back to Jeremiah 7. This is one of the last verses we touched on last week. Relating this to us as it relates to the children of Israel. In verse 22, notice this. The Lord here speaking through the prophet Jeremiah talking about the children of Israel said, For I did not speak to your fathers or command them in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt concerning burnt offerings or sacrifices. In other words, it wasn't about burnt offerings and sacrifices. Right? Hosea 6.6. It was about relationship. It was about you knowing me. 23. But this is what I commanded them saying, Underline this please, obey my voice. Don't take that like this is like some major big deal to obey God. No, it's just hearing and doing what he told you. Every time you hear the, the Bible talk about obeying God, you know what that means? You just heard what he said and you did it. And guess what you're walking out when you do that? His plan. Guess what you're walking into? What he has destined for your life. So he said here, notice again, he said, but this is what I commanded them saying, obey my voice and I will be what? I'll be your God. And you shall be what? My people. And you'll walk in what? All the ways that I've commanded you that it may be what? Well with you. When you walk in God's ways, guess what's going to happen? 
It'll be well with you. Anybody want that to happen? 24, yet they did not do what? They did not obey. Why? Because they did not incline their ear. So we were touching on this last Wednesday night. They did not incline their ear, but they followed the counsels and the dictates of their evil hearts, and they went backward and not forward. Say, I don't want to go backward. What does Proverbs say? Many plans in a man's heart, but none of those are God's. Right? Many plans in a man's heart, but it's God's plan that stands. I don't want mine. I got many, but mine aren't going to get me in what God has for me that will go well with me. Could I get a better amen? If I'm walking in my plan, what am I doing? You're walking backwards. You're backing up. You're not going forward. You're actually backing up. And these people not walking in God's plan went backwards and not forwards. 25, since the day that your fathers came out of the land of Egypt until this day, I've even sent to you all, all my servants, the prophets, daily rising up early and sending them. Now again, Old Testament prophets different than new. They were used by God as seers to speak to them what God needed to reveal to them. But now you've got the Holy Spirit inside you to do that. 26, yet they did not obey me again, or what? Incline their ear. But they stiffened their neck. They did worse than their fathers. Therefore, you shall speak all these words to them, but they will not obey you. Imagine Jeremiah getting to hear that. So Jeremiah, guess what? For the rest of your life, you're going to tell them what I want them to know. But just so you know, they're not going to do it. But how many know God will still speak it to you? You know why? Because he's going to give you opportunity to reject it or accept it. So I, I've thought that many times. I've had words. I've had direct words that I knew that I knew that I knew for a family, church family member that night at church. I knew, man, without a doubt, man, before I ever walked out of here in prayer back there, God spoke to me about somebody. I came out here so excited to give it, and I get up in the pulpit, and they're not here. And I'm like, well, Lord, I must have missed you. They're not. You knew they weren't going to be here. I know I must have missed you. No, I wanted to speak to them. They just weren't here to hear it. Just like these people. I said, just like these people. So here he says, clearly they will not obey you, verse 27. You shall also call to them, but they will not do what? <clears throat> they won't answer you. 28, you shall say to them, this is a nation that does not obey the voice of the Lord. So that's not me. <clears throat> Why? Because we hear his voice and obey. This is a nation that does not obey the voice of the Lord their God, nor receive what? Underline that, please. Nor receive correction. Truth has perished and has been cut off from their mouth. So if I'm following God's leading, what's one of the ways I know I'm following God's leading? I'm also getting correction from God. You know why? You're not perfected yet. <clears throat> I said you're not perfected yet. Going through this life, man, is like I told you when I got to fly that plane. It's like being a pilot behind a plane. As you're going through this life, as you're flying a plane, everything about the winds and everything around you is always trying to kind of mess with that plane. You got to constantly look at where you're going to stay on court. Well, today, autopilot. But I mean, the plane I flew didn't have autopilot. And so that pilot told me, he said, you see those two mountains? Yep, you keep going right towards the center of those two mountains. Watch your altimeter because you're going to drift up and down. If you don't pay attention to where we're at, we've got to stay within a certain ceiling. Well, within like 10, 15 minutes of me flying the plane, all of a sudden, uh, the, the pilot tells me, he said, check your altimeter. And I looked at it. Lo and behold, we had drifted several thousand feet without me even knowing it. 
He said, you need to bring the plane back down. He said, you got to pay attention. I'm going to tell you what, believers need to understand this. In this life you're living, the devil's out here trying to continually throw you off course with little things you don't even realize. But if you pay attention, come on, if you pay attention to the inward witness and to the word of God, guess what? He's going to keep you on course. He's going to keep you where you need to go and get you where you need to go. Any good amens on that? So you and I got to understand again, it comes back as he said twice. Verse 24, why would they not do, why would they not do what I asked them? Verse 24, they would not incline their ear. 26, they would not incline their ear. To incline your ear means to turn aside. To turn aside. Remember when uh, Moses saw the burning bush? Guess what he did? He turned aside. What if he wouldn't? He wouldn't have heard God's voice. He wouldn't have heard God's voice. You know what it means to incline your ear? You got to take time to turn aside to God's word. And to turn aside means you look away from all other distractions. When you come to the, to the house of God to hear God's word, Dr. Summerall used to say all the time, you got two people sitting right next to each other and they're hearing the exact same word. One, it changes their life. The other, it does nothing to, do, to, to change their life. Why? Because one gave his full attention and focus to hear it and the other was too busy thinking about getting out of church or doing something else. You got to incline your ear. You got to turn aside. You got to turn aside from all the thoughts of the day. When you spend time with God, listen, you got to turn aside from all the distractions. It's one of the reasons, don't get mad. I mean, it's okay if you got one. I'm not trying to, one of the reasons I'm glad we don't have a dog anymore, personally. Nothing against having a dog. But it's like every time I'd want to spend time alone talking to God, our little Yorkie would show up at the door, scratching on the door, man. And I mean, you let her in, then she wants to all of a sudden lick in, be around. You can't hardly ever get her to quiet down. Just leave me alone. And I'm telling you, I used to leave the house just to get away from the dog <laughs> so I could get quiet with God in my office. I'm here to tell you, folks, you got to incline your ear, which means what? Turn aside. Turn aside. I gave you this example before. Come on, man. How many ever seen a good old Western? Yeah. Or some, I couldn't believe it, man. West Ward called me today. He was asking a question, you know, about, um, about uh, he's up in, uh, oh my gosh, I forget, Indiana, I think, or somewhere like that. Illinois. He's up in Illinois. He's up there announcing a rodeo up in Illinois. He said, I got a question for him. What are the Amish like? I said, what? He said, what are the Amish like? I'm in a community that's nothing but Amish people, man. They're everywhere. This rodeo is filled with them. What are they like? I said, you ever see Angel and the Bad Man? Huh? I said, you haven't seen Angel and the Bad Man? John Wayne. Come on, man. But in a good Western, right, when somebody obviously gets shot, if they have something to say, they can't hardly talk real loud. So what do they got to do? They got to incline their ear. They got to get down there real close to here. What are you saying? Let me help you folks. That's like God. God doesn't shout at you. You listening? Still small voice. To incline your ear means you got to really give your attention to hear from God. Any good amens on that? All right. First Timothy chapter three. Come on. First Timothy chapter three. We're running out of time as always. Clock, the clock, the clock. First Timothy chapter three. Turn there. So we started talking about this last week. God leads. What are the the channels that he leads through? The word and the inward witness. And he does this how? By the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit. Through the word of God and an inward witness with our spirit, the Holy Spirit's going to guide us and lead us. First John tells us we don't need a teacher. That don't mean you don't need somebody to sit under in the pulpit that teaches the word of God. It means he can't bring that alive to your spirit because it's the Holy Spirit that teaches you the things of God. He's the one that makes them real. 
So you got to understand the significance of this as it relates to the Word. And where are we going to start with and being led by God and always stay with? The Word of God. I've watched people all my life in ministry actually in many ways start off good with the Word and actually start following God's will for their life. But at some point, all of a sudden, now they're saying they're hearing from God, but what they're hearing goes contrary to the Word. And yet you can point it out black and white and show them the Scriptures, and they say, well, I know I've heard from God. How can you say that when it goes contrary to the Word? I'm going to tell you what happens. They slowly, without realizing it, drift off course, and they start allowing their flesh to take back over, and therefore they want what their flesh wants. But yet they still want to feel like they're okay with God. How many know the Holy Spirit, who is the author of the book, is never going to violate it? First Timothy chapter 3. I want you to see this. Uh, did I tell you First Timothy? Sorry, 2 Timothy. I'm looking at that like that ain't right. 2 Timothy chapter 3. There we go. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Sorry about that. Verse 16. Say all scripture. Out loud, please. All scripture. All scripture is what? Given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable. Say profitable. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness what I call the life cycle. Well, years ago studying this, the Holy Spirit said, this is the life cycle. This is the life cycle of the Word that brings you into Zoe life over and over and over again. Doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. Look at this, 17. That the man of God may be what? Tell me. Come on, tell me. Complete, thoroughly what? Thoroughly equipped for every good work. Well, didn't we just read that all that God has for us that's good is going to be revealed to us by the Holy Spirit. Already prepared. So what's the number one way of beginning relationship to following the leading of God? What's the number one way that He's going to lead us? Through His Word. Through His Word. Now I want to read this to you from the complete Jewish Bible translation. Verse 16. All scriptures God breathed. So if you look that word up in the Greek language, inspired by God, the, the literal Greek says God breathed. God spoke it. All Scripture is God-breathed, and it's valuable. Say valuable. Now listen to this. For teaching the truth, convicting of sin, correcting faults, and training in right living. For teaching the truth, convicting of sin, correcting faults, and teaching, excuse me, and training, sorry, in right living. The Word of God is where God starts in our life, helping us and continues in our life to guide, lead, and direct us. I don't ever sit under Dr. Terry Mize. I don't sit under any of our spiritual dads without this, without this operating in my life. This happens all the time. I sit under the teaching of truth this weekend under Dr. Terry Mize and Renee. Man, wasn't that a powerful teaching that she gave us about prayer. It's true. Most Christians' prayer life, most Christians, man, they're real, honestly, they're wimpy prayers. They're wimpy prayer. They're not praying ugly like she said. They're not going like a warrior after it to say, hey, man, we got to use what God's given us and go after it. But I'm here to tell you, every time I sit under my pastor, Dr. Barclay, 20 plus years now, uh, Dr. Summerall, because I listen to all my spiritual fathers, you know, spiritual fathers, Brother Hagen, who I pretty much listen to. I don't know if there's ever a day in my life I don't listen to Brother Hagen almost every morning when I'm getting ready as well as others of our pastor's spiritual fathers and our spiritual fathers themselves, I get the teaching of the word, teaching of truth, all the time. And when I get it, guess what continually comes? Little forms of un unveiling of wrong, conviction of sin, or a missing of a mark, of something that I needed to be reminded that I hadn't done. 
Because you can leave stuff out and therefore miss the mark. You might not even be doing something that's wrong in the sense of actually going out and committing a sin, but you're omitting stuff from your life that could cause you problems and hinder what God wants to do. There's things God's told me to do that I know he's told me to do, and I keep putting it off because I keep doing other things that he didn't tell me to do. And that's not right. That's missing the mark. So as I hear these teachings all the time from my spiritual leaders, I continue to have the Holy Spirit get what the Bible talks about there of what reproof, an unveiling of wrong. Uh, an actual, like flying the plane of a correction needed to be made. Amen? Amen. But not only is conviction of sin or revealing of wrong come, what also comes with that? The correction. Meaning what? The way to correct it. The way to fix it. Aren't you glad? God doesn't reveal wrong without showing us how to fix it. So not only does he bring a convicting of sin through the truth, but also a correcting of faults. And therefore, he then trains us in right living, how to do things right. So just go back to the context of Jeremiah. What was he saying there? I'm speaking to the people of God through you, but they're not receiving the correction. They won't receive the correction. I'm speaking the truth. I'm convicting of wrong, but they won't receive the correction of what they need to fix it. And therefore, they're not walking in what I have for their life, right living, which is actually a good way of living, what I've already planned for them. So you and I have to sit under what? One, to actually have the Word of God effective in your life, what do you got to sit under? The teaching of truth. Doctrine. The teaching of truth. The word doctrine there, you can look it up every way in the world with every Greek scholar. They'll tell you the same thing. Teaching of truth. It's not just teaching. There's people in pulpits teaching today. But they, all, they aren't all teaching the truth. There's a lot of fabulizers. There's a lot. Listen, you always know you're in trouble when minister constantly says, well, let me, I know the Bible says it, but let me give my opinion. No, 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 no. Let's ditch your opinion. I just want to know what the Bible said. I, the Bible didn't say, I need your opinion. The Bible said, this will stand on its own. I just need the truth. John 17, 17, his word, not your opinion. His word is truth. Any good amens. I'm telling you, man, greatest lesson I learned from Brother Hagin is, don't teach anything, son, you haven't lived out and proven yourself. But once you've lived it out and proven it yourself, then guess what? You can teach others the same truth. So when we sit under the teaching, what about all the people that aren't sitting under the teaching of truth? They're missing out. Because what's the Holy Spirit doing while that truth's being taught? He's working on people to bring a reproof, revealing of any area that still needs to be fixed or corrected. And then he's showing you how to correct it. He's giving you insight how to correct it. And in doing so, he's teaching you how to do what? How to have instruction to live what's right in the sight of God. To live in God's plan. How many know God's plan is right? My plan is wrong. Correct? So we have to be what? Ones who sit under the teaching of the word consistently to be able to see this word work in our life for God to guide and direct us. But if we're willing to sit under the teaching of truth, and this is why I tell you all the time, I love what Ray Bench said when he was here. I mean, I love that. Not because of what he was saying in relationship to me as it relates to me. I'm talking about as it relates to our leadership. Remember what he taught you? You can trust your pastor. You know why you can trust your pastor? He's got a pastor. He's got spiritual leadership. He's got people he's submitted to that are obviously truly walking out the truth in their life who are in his life. I'm telling you, folks, you got to understand the power of spiritual leadership. I'm forever grateful to Kenneth Copeland Ministries because of Kenneth Copeland, I got to the revelation, I got to, uh, to get to know and meet and get led to my pastor, Dr. Mark Barclay. That has now developed a 20-something year relationship that has helped me in so many ways. I can't even tell you, Kathy and I, man, are so grateful for such leadership in our life. 
And just like our pastor, John Osteen, who was his pastor for 27 years. My pastor told me the saddest day in my life was when I got the phone call that John Osteen went to heaven. That was the saddest day in my life as a believer. Because I thought, man, this great spiritual father I've had in my life all these years is now gone. Not like he didn't know to walk out what he knew to walk out. But that's how much he loved having spiritual fathers. And so you and I have to understand without the teaching of truth, we're going to miss out on this profitability of the word of God. Read it again. All scripture is given by God and, it's, and it is what? Profitable. So what it helps us to do is it helps us to walk in the benefit of what God has for our life if we're getting taught the truth. And that's the key. That's why I tell you all the time. Your choice, you can listen to anybody you want. I had somebody ask me the other day, have you ever heard this person? No, not, nobody from my church. It was just a guy I knew. He said, you ever heard this guy teach? No. He said, well, I listen to him all the time. Wonderful. That's great. How come you don't listen to him? I said, oh, man, I got enough to keep up with my spiritual dads. I said, I got all I need to my spiritual fathers. I'm applying what literally Paul told the Corinthian church. I don't need 10,000 instructors. There's a lot of good people out there teaching the word. But you know what? I got a few fathers and that's all I need. And I, I can't keep up with all they teach. I still have stuff. You know, Dr. Sutton was one of our spiritual dads. I mean, absolutely dearly loved that man. And for the last three years of his life here on this earth, man, I would do anything I could to help him. I mean, be there to help him, pick him up, take him to the airport, do whatever I needed to do to help him. He was bringing me on his board and then went to heaven. And I'm telling you, man, I still have not heard all of his materials. I'm still going over stuff he taught. And I still haven't heard all the stuff that I've got of his. I haven't read all of his books. I've read a lot of them. But I'm just saying, you and I got to know that we're getting what? We're getting the truth taught to us. If we're getting the truth, what will come along with that truth? A revealing of wrong. Areas that we still need to fix stuff. Can I get a better amen? If you obviously think that that's not going to happen, that you're not going to still have things revealed to you of stuff you're doing wrong, the truth is that means you've arrived, but none of us have. We all constantly need those little adjustments, right? Even just dealing with our thought life, basic things we say, et cetera, et cetera. So we've got to love the word. Say, love the word. More importantly, let me put it this way, because the word is truth. We've got to love what? We've got to love truth. We've got to love truth. I love Dr. Evans, man. That guy, you know, he would come and tell us all the time when I asked him, oh, I don't know, I think I've read the Bible like 300 times through. Well, guess what? He actually kept a record that he wouldn't tell anybody about, and Pastor Barclay knew about it. And I got to go, of course, to the service, the memorial service, him also being one of our spiritual fathers. And Pastor said, we found out, Jack Hayford and I, that guy read through the entire Bible over 500 times in his life. No wonder he was a walking Bible. You know, I loved Brother Evans, sorry. You know what I loved about Brother Evans every time I got in our pulpit? He just taught the truth. Amen. Just taught the truth, never gave an opinion. Just like Dr. Sutton. Remember what he teach about end times? I'm not going to teach you speculation. I'm going to teach you what I know to be the truth. If I don't know it to be the truth, then I ain't going to talk about it, praise God. So we just need the truth in our life, amen? amen. Go with me, please, in closing to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Now, there's a lot of other verses that I could give you about the significance of the word guiding our life. And all of you know it. All of you understand that. But I want to explain something very important about that. Psalm 119, 105 says, His word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Lamp to our feet, light to our path. Sure, we can understand basic things from the word of God. Even as a New Testament believer, we ought to be doing. But the reason a lot of people don't stick with them is because it's not revelation to their spirit. When the Spirit speaks it to you, it's a whole different thing. But the key for that is having what? You've got to understand this. Look at how many times 
in the Bible, Old and New Testament, the Word of God talks about the children of Israel who did not obey what God said because they would not incline their ear to what he had actually told them. And I'm going to tell you why, because you're going to recognize the significance of this. All through Scripture, it talks about it relating to them because they hardened their heart. Guess what you don't want? A hardened heart. If you've got a hardened heart, the Word of God won't help you. The Word of God can't help you. If you have a hardened heart, it will literally hinder God's Word from helping you. So how do we not have a hardened heart? We've got to be good ground. Say we've got to be good ground. So I just want to briefly cover this. I've taught on it many times. I know most of you know it. Just a good reminder tonight, for us to not have a hardened heart, we've got to be good ground. And the parable of the sower deals with this. The parable of the sower talks about it. Because what are we doing to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit? We're sitting under the truth of God's Word being taught. What's the parable of the sower? The sower is doing what? The sower is teaching the truth. The sower is somebody who is teaching us the truth of God's word. Verse 13 of Mark 4, the explanation of the parable. Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? Why? Because this is the key to the word of God working in your life. If you don't have this functioning in your life as a believer, as one who maintains their heart as good ground, guess what? Then the truth of God's word will all of a sudden not have an impact and effect on your life. If it doesn't, guess what God is actually limited to? He's limited to some of your natural understanding, and therefore he cannot fully lead you in what he wants for your life. How many know that a farmer, we got lots of them around here, how many know when a farmer gets a, gets a field ready, plants the seed, grows a harvest, gets the harvest, how many know what he's got to do? He's got to go back and repair that, re-prepare uh, that soil. Guess what you got to do all the time? You got to constantly deal with your heart to keep it as good ground. So even if you know these things, it's not like a one-time thing. You're constantly doing what? Keeping your heart as good ground. So again, verse 14, he goes on and says, the sower sows what? What does he sow? Tell me out loud, please. What's the word? It's the truth. It's the truth. It's how the Holy Spirit is going to help us to be able to have guidance and direction is having the word of God taught, the truth of God's word taught to us by a sower. So that's happening right now. Verse 15, these are the ones, the seed, of course, is the word. These are the ones by the wayside. Talking about those who are hearing the teaching of the word. Right now, you're one of these four things in this, in this church. Every time you hear the word of God taught, you're actually functioning as one of these four areas. You listening? Yeah. Notice this. There are ones that are called wayside where the word is sown. Notice this. When they hear, they heard it. Satan does what? He comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. What is wayside soul? It's not hard to figure out. It's people that are not inclining their ear. They don't really have an intent to hear it. They're just simply kind of going through the religious motions. They're not focused on really hearing from God what God's trying to say to them. In the context of the Pharisees, think of them. Most of them are wayside soul. Why? They, now, some were also uh, actually uh, thorny ground, but many were wayside soul. They wouldn't listen to what Jesus had to say because they were all caught up in their religious own interpretation of the Bible. Therefore, their hearts were hardened to hear the word. Didn't have any effect. Satan would immediately snatch that word out of their heart. That's why they could see Jesus doing miracles and still question whether or not he was the son of God. Satan was robbing that, that seed from out of their heart. How do I not become wayside soul? You have to give your full attention to the word of God when it's being taught. You got to incline your ear. You got to be willing. I like what Keith Moore says. You got to be willing to do what God says he wants you to do before you hear it. 
You, got a, you have a full intent to be able to hear what God's saying to you. Let me add something to that. Because wayside soul is also, believe it or not, believing what God says about you. It's receiving, the Bible says the book of James chapter 1, it's receiving the word of God, the engrafted word into your heart. Meaning what? I receive what it says. I don't argue about it. I don't try to reason it out. If God said I'm healed, that settles it. If God said I'm delivered, that settles it. If God says I'm, you don't allow your reasoning to all of a sudden say, yeah, but I still got this pain. I got this. See, you're not receiving the word as it's being taught to you. And therefore Satan's doing what? He's snatching that word right away from you. You got to accept it with an open heart to say, I believe God no matter what. If he said it, I believe it. So that what? Settles it. So you don't want to be wayside soul. 16. These likewise are the ones sown where? Tell me out loud, please. So I know you're paying attention. Stony ground. Notice when they hear the word, what happens? Well, they immediately receive it with gladness. Glory to God. Praise the Lord, Pastor. Glory. Yeah, hallelujah. Amen. 17. But they have no what? Uh-oh. Have no root in themselves. So they endure what? Only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises, for the word's sake, what happens? What does the tribulation or persecution arise for? The word's sake. Because the devil knows if the word gets to working in good ground in your heart, God's going to guide you into what he has for your life, and he's in trouble. So he's going to bring different types of persecution, different types of things which, which revealed in the parables like the sun on the, on the plant growing up. But guess what that seed didn't do? It didn't get down in good ground. It landed on a rock. And instead of going down, it turned right around and shot up. It immediately actually received that with gladness. But when the persecution came, guess what happened? It wilted away. Right? right? Because it had no what? What did it have? No. Root in itself. Remember, Jesus told us this in the book of Luke. Chapter 4, he said, if you come here but you don't do what I say, you're not digging deep. You're not digging down deep. So what is stony ground? You hear the word but you don't apply it. You're like the guy that James says who heard the word, saw yourself in the mirror, but you walked away and you forgot. You walked away, you got excited when you heard, you saw that picture of you in the mirror. Woo, glory to God. But when you walked away, guess what happened? You forgot. And so the persecution of the actual day of what's going on around you did what? Took advantage of that and caused it not to grow up and produce. And you gave in to the persecution. You started speaking the problem again. You started agreeing with what you saw instead of what God said. I said you started agreeing with what you saw instead of what God said. What do you go by? What did God say? So stony ground are those who have no root in themselves. Meaning what? They're not doers of the word. To be a doer takes actual effort. To, to, to be a doer takes some digging into the context of uh, what the Bible talks about, digging down deep in your life and saying, I'm applying that. I'm going to keep doing that, Jesus. I'm going to keep putting that to practice in Jesus' name. So stony ground are not doers of the word. 18, these are the ones sown among where? Among where? Are you in verse 18 of Mark 4? Did I lose you? Mark 4, 18, these are the ones sown among where? thorns. Notice this. They are the ones again who hear the word. All these people heard the word. But in this case, the cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. What is a thorny ground Christian, pastor? Double-minded. They're double-minded. They still think carnal and at the same time trying to think spiritual. Romans 8, they set their minds on the things of the flesh as well as in the sense of a double-minded person trying to set their minds on the things of the Spirit as well. Won't work. Double-minded receive nothing from the Lord. 
Because even though that thing starts growing up, you know what's going to happen? All of a sudden, you're going to allow the cares of life to come in. Or you're going to allow the deceitfulness of riches or desire for other things to come in. You listening? Because you're still double-minded. Oh, man, I really want this. I got to have it. I got to have it. Excuse me. That's going to choke out the word. I said that's going to choke out the word. Desires for other things. Desires for other things. Didn't the Bible say if you make the kingdom your priority? Come on. Hey, do what's right in the sight of God. All those things will be added unto you. Doesn't mean you can't have goals in life, but that's not my pursuit. God's my pursuit. So you can't get caught up with, again, focusing your life on both the world and God. You got to get singly focused. You got to get single-minded. If you get single-minded, you'll clearly hear the Holy Spirit and you'll walk in the things of God for your life. Any good amens on that? Verse 20, come on, I got to wrap this up. But these are the ones sown where? Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. They're sown on good ground. Those who hear the word and they do what? What do they do? Now notice they heard the word. What are we talking about here? My sheep hear my voice. They hear the word and they accept it. So accept it here means I take it for what it says, as I told you. I believe what it says and I don't try to change it. I don't try to reason it out. And I am willing to submit and accomplish and walk out everything the word says I can do. Because again, I believe I can do what God said I can do. I believe I have what God said I have. Come on. I believe what the Bible teaches, so I just accept it. So these are the ones on good ground who hear and accept it. Notice they bear fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. Why 30, 60, 100? I'll quote Brother Hagin. Brother Hagin was told by Jesus in a visitation, you learn to follow me, I'll make you rich. And he said he did exactly that. And rich just means full supply, more than enough, right? Overflowing harvest, not just financially, but in every realm of his life. So says every, as well as every area in his life. So what's the key to the 30, 60, 100 fold? When you start following God, you're not going to be all, all, quote unquote, all that accurate initially that you're probably going to hear him 100% of the time. You know what Brother Hagin said? He said, I think I'm up to like 90, 95%. 90-95% when he taught this of obeying God, hearing God, following that inward witness, being led by that inward witness. And you know what God did? Made him rich. He said, are you saying you're a multimillionaire? He said, probably several times over, but I'm a big giver. I give lots of money to the kingdom, and God has blessed me and taken care of me. Amen? So guess what you need to do? You need to learn to keep your heart as good ground for the Word to work, because for the Holy Spirit to cause the Word of God to help you see what God's given you and to walk out what God's planned for your life through the Word, you got to be what? Good ground. You cannot have your heart hardened. So how do I not have my heart hardened? Quit being distracted when it comes to hearing the word taught. Give your full attention. Give yourself fully to it. You know, it's just like in school. How many of you were told this? Well, you could do better in school if you give yourself more attention to what's being taught. That was true because you know what my mind was on in school? I had a bucking machine down in my backyard. Serious. I had an El Toro sitting down there. And I want to be a world champion bull rider. And all I'm thinking about while this guy's teaching me algebra, how quick can he shut up so I can get down to my house for 30 minutes and get on that bucket machine and make it back to my next class? I'm serious. So you know why I don't remember anything about algebra today? Because I didn't give my attention to that algebra teacher. I got my attention on a bucket machine in my backyard a block away. Are you listening? What's your attention on when the word's being taught? Well, you're thinking about how late it is. Got to get home, got to go to work. Let me help you. If you're getting truth that you can apply to your life, it's far, it's far more uh, beneficial to your life than anything else you can name. 
So when the word's being taught, what do I got to do? Give full attention, incline my ear. Number two, what's the second thing I got to do? Make sure that you're not stony ground. Be a doer. Be a doer. Apply what you're being taught. Put application to it. And number three, do not be double-minded. Don't have your mind on the world and God. Get your focus on God. We're going to talk more about this when we get to Romans chapter 8. But if you'll set your mind on the things of the Spirit, ladies and gentlemen, you'll start learning how to simply, from your spirit, clearly hear God and walk in what God's already pre-planned for your life. This isn't just about walking out what He prepared for us. This is also walking out the protection He has for us. In this dark and dirty day, that you and I could be led of God and make decisions that will guide us in a pathway of true security and peace and protection. Can I get a better amen? And not only can you learn to do it, but you can teach your kids to do it. They'll probably get better at it than you at the initial stages because they haven't been as affected as much by the world as you have. A lot of them can pick it up pretty quick. Amen? I said amen. So, again, how's God going to lead us? He's going to lead us by the word and the witness. And who's the guide that's going to show us that? The Holy Spirit. And when it comes to the word, the teaching of God's word, we got to do what? Be good ground. If we're good ground, that word can have the effect in our life to bring what? Teaching to reveal any wrong that needs to be dealt with, to show us how to correct it and how to now what? Walk in the instruction of doing what's right. And the more we do, the more powerful it becomes in our inner man and the more we begin to walk out what God has for our life. Any amens on that? Praise God. Stand to your feet tonight. We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.